Well, God's grace and God's peace, I wanna kick us off with a couple of questions for you to think about and even turn to the people near you and uh, ask them, we're gonna start, got two questions. Uh, First of all, turn to the people near you and get about 15 seconds or so, because that's about all it's gonna take. I want you to think of what are are the things that we, um, let me get, what are the most common things we complain about? What are the most common things you hear people complain about? On your mark, it's at goal. All right, I got two answers, money, politics, what else? Well, <laughs> didn't you think that's a funny one? Like, but we, yeah, you're right, we complain about the weather. Health, right? Kids, work, people. <laughs> All right, we'll stop the complaint department. Next question. Uh, turn to the people near you and just uh, give 15 seconds again. What are, what are some of the things you are grateful for? Things you are grateful for. All right, okay. So what do you got? Family, health, weather, people. <laughs> Not the gas prices, right? God, yeah. All right, so I gotta tell you something. So when I was thinking about those two questions, it dawned on me um, that you can measure the health of a relationship by the measure of complaining or gratitude in that relationship. Let me say that again. You can measure the health of a relationship by the measure of complaining or gratitude in that relationship. So here's a phrase I want you to remember. When we keep the relationship bigger than the problem, whatever that might be, we tend to be more grateful. When we can keep our relationship with that other person bigger than the problem, whatever that might be, there tends to be way more gratitude. On the other hand, if we allow the problem to loom bigger than the relationship, there will be more complaining. A kind of a downward spiral, right? So today I wanna suggest that's not only true about our human relationships with each other, it's also true about our relationship with God. And uh, so we're gonna look at a particular passage about that. Before we do that, let me just uh, recap real quickly this whole series, I Am Emmanuel. You know, the goal is for you and I to grow in our consciousness of the closeness of God, right? We know that he's close because he's omnipresent, which means he's present everywhere all the time, but this is unique to that. This is about God being interested in you, God being interested in your life, which is why we've been introducing you to these phrases. Uh, that come from really Exodus chapter three, where God says, I see you. I see right where you're at. I see right what you're going through. I see you, and I hear you. I hear not only the things you say out loud, I hear, I hear the thoughts of your heart. I hear you, and I understand you, God says. I mean, not only because I made you, right? I created you, right? I know every second of your life. I know where every place you've been. I know every decision you've made. I know the messes you've made. I know all of that. I understand you, and I understand your circumstance, and I'm glad to be with you right in the middle of all that. I mean, don't you find that a little shocking, right? I mean, don't you ever have those moments when, you, when, you, when people think highly of you, and you think, oh boy, if they really knew me, right? But God says, yeah, I know you, and I'm glad to be with you, and lastly, his last phrase, and I can do something about this for you, right? He's, he's always there for that. 
All right, so that, that's the closeness we want you to begin to experience. We've been using the journey of uh, Israel from their slavery in Egypt to their freedom as they head toward the promised land, uh, which is a great picture of the kind of thing that we experience in our own life when we uh, begin to see with new eyes um, the proximity of God to us, way closer than you and I think, all right? So... Um, what you're going to learn about, God always keeps the relation bigger than the problem. Remember, that's the phrase for the day. So let me take you to Exodus chapter 16, uh, an amazing event that happens in the life of the people of Israel. Uh, the whole Israelite community set out from Elam, and they came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. I'm sure you know where that is. Isn't it funny? They talk to, yeah, yeah, like you know exactly that, but somewhere between Rochester and Winona. On the 15th day of the second month after they'd come out of Egypt. So just, just kind of a time frame for you. So this is 30 days after the people of Israel watched God split open the Red Sea and they walked through on dry ground. This is a month after that, okay? In, in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. In other words, they were complaining. So let me tell you just a little bit more. Um, so this is the third time in 30 days that the people of Israel have filed a complaint against Moses and Aaron. The very first time was when they got to the Red Sea and they were complaining and God opened the waters and they made their way through. Several days after that, they're complaining because they don't have water and God provided them water. This time, the Israelites said to them, if only, pause there. Ever use those words? This is almost kind of a whining thing. If only we die by the Lord's hand in Egypt. Do you know that language? If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. Now, if you know anything about the story, you know that these people used to be slaves. And I mean, I'm going to say, really? But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Question. Have you ever played the if-only game? You make a decision and you make a move and you go, what was I thinking? Right? My dad was a pro at the if-only game. I have a distinct memory of sitting in our garage at one of the places where we lived, and my dad's retired, and he's reminiscing, but it's an if-only reminisce. If only I wouldn't have sold the farm. If only I would have kept that car. If only, if only, if only, if only. Kind of the shoulda, woulda, coulda kind of thing. If you've ever played that game, you know that close on the heels of that is another game we like to play that's, illust that's reflected here, the good old days game. Play that game? Remember the good old days? Remember how much fun that was? Remember, how, and we have this nostalgic, ridiculous idea of how good the good old days were, and if you go back there and take a closer look, you find out they weren't really as good as you think they were. Bad stuff happened then too. Which leads to another game which we don't often identify. It's called the enemy intimacy game. You ever heard of that game? The enemy intimacy game. The enemy intimacy game is that I like you and you like me because we don't like them. Right? Right? It's, a, it's not really a closeness because the only reason we're together is because we don't like them. That Moses and Aaron. Right? All right, here we go. Then the Lord said to Moses, um, I always... Th 
I will rain down, and if, if I was God, I would have rained down fire, brimstone, hell, and damnation. I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. God does not give them what their grumbling deserves because for God, the relationship is always bigger than the problem. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, in the evening you will know, okay, see that those three words, you will know? That's gonna show up a whole bunch of times. In the evening you will know that it is the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, and in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard, right, he has heard your grumbling against him, right? God is always keeping the relationship bigger than the problem. Moses also said, you will know that it was the Lord when, you give, when he gives you meat to eat in the evening. And when I first heard that, I went, what? You're not just giving him bread, you're gonna give him an entree too, right? They're gonna, he's gonna give him quail, which tastes a lot like chicken. And all the bread you want in the morning, because he has, look at this word, because he has heard you're grumbling against him. And Moses and Aaron say this, say, who are we? You're not grumbling against us, uh, but against the, against the Lord. And then Moses told Aaron, say to the entire Israelite community, come before the Lord, for he has what? He has heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked toward the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. Now, if you pay attention as you browse your way through the Bible, you will find out on multiple occasions God um, displays his presence in a cloud. Right? He led them through the wilderness by a pillar of cloud. When they got the tabernacle down, a cloud showed up. When Solomon filled the temple, a cloud showed up. When Jesus was transfigured before the disciples, a cloud showed up. Right? When Jesus was baptized, a cloud. All of those occasions are God's presence. It's God saying, I'm glad to be right here with you. Then the Lord said to Moses, look at here, look at this, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites, tell them at twilight you will eat meat and in the morning you will be filled with bread, then here comes, you will know that I am the Lord your God and that's exactly what happens, right? The next morning the desert floor looks like what our um, out what our outdoors looked like, what, about eight or 10 days ago when you looked out and went, oh my, it snowed. It looked kind of like that, like this thick frost on the ground. I love this next part. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? In Hebrew, that's pronounced manna. Have you ever been to um, maybe a restaurant or someone's house and they put the plate in front of you and you go, what is it? <laughs> now you have a new word. Go. Manna. And no one will take offense. What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you. Quit your complaining. Now, what I want you to know that the point of this event being recorded in scripture is not to encourage us to grumble loud enough and long enough until God gives us what we want, right? The point of, of this record is that God never lets the problem get bigger than the relationship. 
God is abundantly gracious toward you and me. And God is glad to be with us whether we're grumbling or we're grateful. To me, that's astounding. Even when I'm grumbling, even when I'm complaining, even when I'm whining, God is glad to be right there with me. And I want, and here's the, the beautiful part, right? And the longer, you, the more you realize that God's glad to be with you right there, that grumbling begins to turn toward gratitude. The other big message in this passage is that this bread that God gives to Israel is not just about that bread back then. Jesus grabs onto that and said, that bread was a signpost. That bread was a signal, right, to him. I am the bread of life, right? Jesus is the ultimate sign that God never lets the problem get bigger than the relationship. Let me read again just a little portion of what those words of Jesus from earlier. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate the manna, the what is it, in the desert, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven that one may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Instead of a cloud, God chooses the person of his own son to come among us, glad to be with us. And Jesus removed the ultimate problem that separated us from him. And that's what the cross is all about. Jesus taking your place and mine, your sin and mine, your blame and mine, your guilt and mine, right? Your condemnation and mine, your judgment and mine. He took it all to remove the problem because God so wants to have a relationship with you and me because he's, so, he's interested in your life and you need to let him in because he's there already. You're just in denial. That was a new thought for me. We don't think he's close. I'll tell you, friend, he's closer than you know. Let's open our arms wide and own it. All right, I want to close with one final thing. So worship team, you can begin to come on up. So one of the things that we have, um, are encouraging you to think about, to do, is called Emmanuel Journaling. It's, you maybe know what journaling is, maybe you're not a journaler. You can do what somebody called it, audio journaling. <laughs> but Emmanuel Journaling is not only journaling my thoughts or my prayers, it's also thinking about, okay, based on my situation, based on, on what I just wrote, what might God say back to me? How might he respond? So after doing my homework on this passage, I just wrote this prayer. Oh Lord, I'm amazed at your patience. You don't grumble back when we grumble at you. You give grace like no one else. It was not manna and meat Israel deserved, and it's not grace and forgiveness I deserve, but you give me more. Your presence, your life, your love, I'm overwhelmed. And then I thought, okay, so how might God respond to that? Knowing, knowing, knowing him, I think he'd say something like this. Dennis, I am so not like everyone else. I am holy 
and I am just, and I know what you and everyone else deserves, but I'm not you, and I'm not like everyone else. I am love. I am glad to be with you. I will not let any problem get bigger than our relationship. Let go of your if-onlys and trust me. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, help us get beyond our denial. Help us get beyond the fantasy that you're far away. Break down that wall so that we can see that you are so close to us, that you see and you hear and you understand and you are glad to be with us. And you can do something about whatever we're in the middle of. And so, Lord, help us let go of our if-onlys. Teach us how to trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.